0: This is The Guardian.
1: Introducing
0: Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com/slash-wondersuite.
1: Science Weekly is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question: If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/scienceweekly today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com/scienceweekly.
2: At the centre of our galaxy is one of the strangest objects in existence.
0: A black hole is usually a
1: place in space where no light exists, making it all but impossible to capture on film. Despite this, a team of astrophysicists have managed to photograph a black hole in our galaxy, the Milky Way, for the first time.
2: And when physicists try to work out what will eventually happen to it and other black holes, things get even weirder. The older the black hole, the longer it is, which you wouldn't guess
0: from the outside, because from the outside you have just a little sphere. So you are in a sort of prison. (laughs) Everything shrinks around you and you get squeezed. You find yourself in a region where, and this is the point,
2: where we don't know. There are lots of theories, including the creation of something truly mind-bending. If you take a movie of a black hole and you project the movie backward, that's a white hole. Physicist Carlo Rovelli has been thinking about the possibility of black holes eventually rebounding into white holes for years. How could they be born? I mean, who put the matter inside for them to come out? So for this reason,
0: they've long been considered possible theoretical things, but not realised in nature, which is exactly how black holes were considered in the past.
2: Now, in a new book, he proposes that in fact, not only could white holes exist – But they might explain one of the deepest and most confounding mysteries in the universe. It's a tantalising prospect. So what exactly are white holes? How do they work? And what could they reveal? I'm the Guardian Science Editor, Ian Sample, and this is Science Weekly. Carlo Rovelli, it's lovely to have you back on the podcast. The last time we spoke, you took us back to Helgoland in the North Sea and the birth of quantum mechanics. Now you've written about the prospect of a universe filled with white holes. So let's take this one step at a time and begin with black holes. How do they arise? Black holes, I would say,
0: it's a great surprise of the last uh, decade uh, that they really exist. They are out there and there are so many and so diverse. The universe is just filled by billions and billions of these strange mysterious objects, black holes. Most of the black holes that we see are most likely produced uh, when a big star ends its fuel and stops burning. So once the star ends its burning, The weight of the star squashes everything in a smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller region until a black hole is formed. Essentially a black hole is just some matter that is compressed in such a small region that um, the gravity is so strong that nothing comes out. What the great concentration of matter actually does is a huge distortion of space and time. That's why they're holes. One should really think that the universe is not this flat uh, sort of uh, immense three-dimensional carpet uh, in which things move, but has holes. It's all uh, it's all holed <laughs> um, in which stars have fallen and in which we actually see matter uh, spiraling around and keep falling in.
2: And give me a bit more about how listeners should imagine a black hole. Are there structural features you can talk about?
0: Yes. The way I describe the black holes in the book is thinking that we actually go toward them and uh, what would we see. What we see at the distance, we know because we have a picture. We we have real pictures of black holes from a distance taken by uh, fantastic telescopes on, on Earth. But if we get closer we start uh, experiencing the distortions of space and time, and especially the, the temporal distortions. And what it means is that uh, suppose you're a certain distance from a black hole and you sort of hover over it. What you notice is that uh, you see things falling in, but you see the things which are falling in uh, slowing down and uh, never really entering. And you see them dimming and, uh, and and going slower and slower as they approach the surface of the black hole. But more surprisingly, if you look back, if you look back at Earth, you see everything happening in Earth accelerating, going faster and faster. So if you were getting a message from your friend every day, now you get a message from your friend every hour. And then if you go closer to black hole, every few seconds. So what <laughs> is really going on is that the speed of time It's slowing down as you approach the black hole more and more as closer that that you are. And once you get to the surface of the black hole itself, uh, in a sense, time freezes. It goes to zero. The speed of time goes to zero with respect to the Earth, which means that uh, from Earth, you just see uh, your friends who are going toward the black hole just becoming not moving anymore, frozen uh, a moment before entering. But if you're there, Time is normal and you can enter inside the black hole.
2: And so this point you're describing is where nothing can escape the gravity of the black hole, including light. That's the horizon. But what do things look like on the other side? Right. So imagine that we actually enter
0: the black hole, so the cross the horizon, and we are immediately on the other side. Locally around us, nothing special happens. Uh, in fact, if you look back, we still see the stars, the galaxies. We still keep receiving messages from Earth as they're being sent even faster and faster. However, if you look down, if you look uh, around us, uh, the big surprise uh, is that Do you know these fairy tales in which you walk in the wood and you find a little, little hut with a little door and then you go in and uh, marvel, marvel, inside there's a huge uh, hole and then another one, another one, there's immense space inside, uh, in spite of the hut looking very small from the outside. Well, that's exactly what a black hole is. When you go in, it's huge, enormous. And uh, it's like a very, very long and very deep uh, uh, well. And the older the black hole, the longer it is, which you wouldn't guess from the outside, because from the outside you have just a little sphere. So it becomes longer and longer and longer. And uh, the spherical dimension of this well in in which you are keep shrinking. It becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. So you are in a sort of prison (laughs) and in a rather short time, everything shrinks around you and you get squeezed. I mean, you're going (laughs) to die. Imagine that you could resist all that. You find yourself in a region where, and this is the point where we don't know, because up to here, everything I've said, it's a, predicted by the best theories we have, by general relativity, by Einstein theory, but not when uh, you arrive at this moment in which the space is, is closing up around you. Because there the curvature of space becomes very, very strong and we expect that quantum phenomena becomes dominant. So what happened there is the domain of quantum gravity. But that's why I'm so interested in what happened there. Because quantum gravity is what I've been doing all my life
2: we've almost reached the death of a black hole this point where quantum effects take over quantum gravity that carlo mentioned tries to get to grips with gravitational forces in the quantum realm physics on a subatomic scale and what it's trying to describe in this case is known as the singularity the end of a black hole But this isn't a point in space, it's a point in time, a long way off, billions of years into the future. Through the black hole's life, it's been emitting Hawking radiation, a heat or energy that Stephen Hawking theorised would be escaping and slowly evaporating the black hole, making the horizon smaller and smaller. But what persuaded me that it was real was that the emission was exactly what was required. To identify the
0: area of the horizon with the entropy of a black hole. The radiation from a black hole will carry away energy, so the black hole will
2: lose mass and shrink. So there's this tiny bottleneck, and inside an extraordinarily long thin well of bent spacetime. This spacetime becomes so bent and stretched, it reaches a point we don't understand. Then, as Carlo proposes, it can turn into a white hole. So I asked him, how does that work? The idea is that
0: the death of a black hole could be the birth of a white hole. And if you think for a moment, it's not such a strange idea, because uh, what happens if a ball, say a soccer ball, it's falling on the floor? It goes down and then it bounces. It bounces up. And what is the movement of a ball that is bouncing up? It's exactly like the movement of the ball going down, reversed in time, as if it was filmed and projected backward. So it's pretty normal in nature that phenomena arrive at a point where something happened, and then they are time reversed and you bounce back. Now, question Could this happen to black holes? The hypothesis is uh, yes. A black hole could uh, somehow shrink, uh, go to a singularity, and then bounce back and become a white hole. And the question is whether quantum mechanics allows that. And the answer is that, of course, quantum mechanics allows that. This phenomenon is called quantum tunneling. So the black hole could tunnel into a white hole, which means that if you're inside, remember, we, we, we cross horizon, we went inside, we were squeezed over the singularity, then what happened? We cross this quantum region, which is a quantum leap, and we find ourselves uh, essentially in a white hole, essentially in the same geometry of a black hole, the same long tube, uh, long and narrow, but now it's backwards. So instead of becoming longer and more narrow, it's becoming shorter and larger, and everything is not falling in, but it's moving out. So you are taken with, with everything else and uh, thrown out of the white hole, and you cross the white hole horizon, and you
2: find yourself outside. So if I was watching this happen, would I be able to tell that it had turned from a black hole into a white hole? Do these things look any different? The way they're distinguishable is that uh, black hole emit Hawking radiation, a white hole does
0: not, And uh, this transition is most likely going to happen when the black hole is very small, because as long as the black hole is large, quantum mechanics uh, is negligible. So the probability of this jump to white is negligible. The likely scenario is that uh, uh, a black hole, which is isolated, it's just left alone, it evaporates, becomes very, very small. And at that point, when it's small enough, it can make the jump, it becomes a white hole, And then the white holes that uh, we expect to see in the universe are very small, extremely small. In terms of mass, they are a fraction of a microgram. Uh, Say the mass of uh, a hair, of human hair. So imagine a little thing with the mass of a human hair, which is floating around, which has gravity. So in principle is attracted and attract other things from which there is an extremely uh, weak radiation coming out. So that's how a white hole would, uh, would look like.
2: If these white holes exist, they'll essentially be tiny and light, almost sort of particles in themselves in, in the universe. Do you think we could ever detect them? And is the universe actually old enough for them to have formed yet? Ah,
0: these are two fantastic questions. I think these are the two questions, the main ones. So let me address them separately. First of all, can we detect them? Can we make, build a detector that detects them? And the answer is uh, right now, probably not, but uh, this is not something outside the possible development of technology in the coming years. However, it does not interact uh, electromagnetically, so you cannot see it, you cannot touch it, because the, the seeing and touching is electromagnetic interaction. The only thing it does is uh, is gravity. But the gravity of a hair flying by—it's—it's it's hard to detect, of course. Uh, but it's not so impossibly harder to detect. And uh, there are people who are putting their mind now, or, or say, "Well, let's let's see if they, we can see them." But that's. The In a sense, half of the answer, the other half of the answer is the one which I particularly find uh, fascinating, which is the following. Imagine these things existed, and there are many of these. How would they look like? Well, they would look exactly like this mysterious dark matter, which we know it's uh, around the galaxies in our universe, and we don't know what it is. So there is this mystery in the universe, uh, observational mystery, which is that uh, we understand the dynamics, uh, cosmology of uh, structure formation, of of how the the galaxies work, the velocity at which the stars move around in the galaxy, only assuming that there is this sort of powder, which is called dark matter, which interacts only gravitationally, but we cannot see it. It does not interact electromagnetically. White holes or this remnant of black holes would be perfect candidates for dark matter. In a sense, it's ideal candidate of dark matter because the best model we have for this mysterious dark matter is exactly uh, little small particles that interact also gravitationally, and that's exactly what these things are.
2: So this is a big idea you're proposing here: that dark matter, this stuff that scientists have been puzzling over for years, could actually be billions of tiny white holes. Why does this? Explanation of dark matter ring true for you?
0: For me, it's a tempting hypothesis because all the others require
2: modifications of our fundamental
0: laws. Well, this one doesn't. Um, doesn't require changing the standard model, or changing relativity, or changing quantum mechanics. It just requires remembering that relativity has to go together with quantum mechanics, and therefore, these things could happen why don't everybody jump immediately into the idea oh yes obviously I mean dark matter should be these things exactly because of the second question you asked okay which was uh, is there enough time in the universe for these things to have formed according to this I mm, this model the white hole are produced by dying black holes so you have to produce black holes wait for them to die and then you have this white hole so if dark matter is produced by these things here, there should have been all the time for that to happen. And that's not obvious that it works. One possibility is that uh, there were a lot of black holes produced uh, in the very early universe, you know, the very early universe was very hot and very agitated and uh, a lot of fluctuations and very compressed. So it's likely that um, uh, black holes were formed. They're called primordial black holes. There's a lot of literature on that. Perhaps some of these black holes uh, have become white holes and uh, perhaps they're still around. It relies on two hypotheses, it's not one. So um, that's what... Uh, makes people bulk uh, in front of it. But if we put this idea of the black white hole together with another idea that comes from quantum gravity, which is a, the Big Bang, was actually a big bounce. So our, our universe went through a phase of compression, extreme compression, then bounce into the Big Bang, then the black holes could have been uh, alive sort of in the previous universe and uh, uh, In that case, there would be plenty of time for them to grow old, to evaporate, to become white holes, go through the Big Bang, through the Big Bounce, and uh, represent the current dark matter.
2: This is all very theoretical. There are plenty of physicists who don't think white holes even exist, let alone that they could be what we call dark matter. But let's say this was the case. How many white holes would we be looking at? Billions and billions and
0: billions of white holes and uh, a sort of very rough calculation. Uh, Let me say, in in this room, uh, uh, there is one flying by per week or per month or, if you're unlucky, per year.
2: There might be listeners out there, Carlo, who wonder what it's like being a physicist who's working on something so hypothetical that is very much debated and which may not actually be settled anytime time soon. Is this the essence of what it is to be a physicist? There are different kinds of physicists
0: and there are different kinds of physics. There is part of physics which uh, deals with things we understand very well, but there is a part of physics that explores the boundary of what we know and uh, uh, Sometimes uh, understanding whether we're on the right track or not um, takes long. Um, We all witnessed the Nobel Prize given to Higgs for the prediction of uh, this very peculiar particle with the Higgs particle. And uh, he got the Nobel Prize as a very old man uh, for a work he did uh, when he was young. And it was marvelous to see his emotions. Um, So there is a, a... a level of uh, of uh, in fundamental physics of time delay uh, which one has to deal and and a level of uncertainty of course because uh, a lot of people develop theories that turn out to be wrong but we don't have any uh, shortcut for knowledge than trial and error and trial and error has worked so far so well uh, that this was is was continuing so trying and uh, being ready to accept uh, that it could uh, it could not work now i hope before dying to see something about the quantum gravity i've been studying all my life uh, to be confirmed there are some possible little experiments that um, uh, might uh, work in the next years and of course i would be delighted (laughs) if a particle a white hole would be detected but i'm perfectly happy to uh to live with uncertainty. After all, our life is all uncertain, right? And it's uh, impermanent, and uh, I don't care about certainty. It's, uh, I, I consider it a huge privilege to have the possibility of spending my life studying these things. Uh, people explore and, uh, you know, try to go to the moon, try to go to the, to the South Pole and try to write Beethoven and also try to write science. There will be many insuccesses along the way, but by trying... Uh, humankind develop its knowledge of the world better and better.
2: Carlo, thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's fascinating as ever and really look forward to seeing where the work goes. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Carlo Ravelli, And you can hear more from him at a Guardian live event. Next week on the 30th of October, Carlo is going to be in conversation with the comedian Dara O'Brien, who himself trained in physics so it's set to be both fascinating and very entertaining. You can watch them online or live and in person. We put a link to the event on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com, or you can find it by going to membership.theguardian.com slash events. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by Madeline Finley. It was sound designed by Tony Onachuku and the executive producer is Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then.